0: Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM.
1: What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey. John boy. I'm telling you straight. It's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk through it now.
2: Hey, everybody. We're all going to get
1: laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the maniac. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Uh, Oh, my God. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. We're busy rest of the week in studio for the final time. This week tomorrow downtown at Coaches, and then coming up on Friday Ale Emporium up in Castleton. We've got a Bud Light Blue Friday. We've got a Larcity Bourbon Locks and a Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Thursday coming at you tomorrow with Coaches downtown, busy to say the least. I also I have something for those. Let me see a show of hands that plan on making the drive down to Nashville on Sunday and attending the rematch of the Colts and the Titans. Show of hands right now. Who plans on going? Anybody? Anybody out there? Because I don't have tickets for you. You know, I try to do my best to get you hooked up as much as possible, right? Because I want you guys to have fun. I want to have fun. I want to have continuous fun. I want to live this thing hassle-free, even though we know life's impossible to live hassle-free. I've got stories for you coming up. But I want you to be a part of some fun, and I don't have tickets for the game, but I can, if you have tickets to the game already, set you up or at least give you the opportunity to be set up with a fantastic invasion of a Titan's tailgate. And I'll tell you how I can win that. Really, a couple of times an hour coming up a little bit later on. Big news of yesterday was the outspoken nature of Colts owner Jim Irsay regarding the situation with Commander's owner Daniel Snyder. And that news kind of broke and was fluid during our 5 o'clock hour. And, of course, uh, I went over it and told you exactly what was was going on, the quotes that were coming out, you know, why I felt that Jim Irsay – was compelled to stand up being the only owner to stand up and basically what he was doing was all right from what what we see now upon this further investigation there is merit to make a change there is merit to oust the commander's owner a lot of you have asked you know why does he feel so compelled to do it and this is just my opinion and I know that it's the educated opinion of others, but I know that he would like to be and he's probably never going to be one of, you know, the top owners go to as far as leadership. But I know he wants to lead. He wants to lead as far as the owners are concerned. And, you know, other owners always haven't, they haven't really viewed him like that. So, this is kind of like new territory, new ground. Plus, I mean, he does, he does have a legitimate feeling that if this is what took place, there needs to be a change made. So, both of those are opinions. Both of those are educated opinions. And both of those, um, as well, we'll see as we move forward where this goes. The one thing that you've caught in the past nearly 24 hours is that seemingly everybody, with the exception of the commanders, it seems like everybody is on board with it. And he has really overwhelmingly been lauded for stepping outside what is that comfort zone that most of these owners have been a part of not saying anything and being that lone owner to say something. And from what all I've read and gauging what has been said, it seems as if right now everybody's been pretty much on board with it. At least to this point. I don't know if it sets up coming up in a couple of weeks any more interesting game than what you already had. Still, to me, having Carson Wentz be available, would be a hell of a lot more interesting than this because it's not like the two owners are going to get down in the middle of the field and go at it. I think that would be hilarious, but that's not going to happen. Uh, They're probably not going to go out to dinner beforehand. Probably wouldn't have gone out to dinner beforehand anyway. But at the same time, I don't know how much other than just the storyline. You'll probably have more of a storyline than what you normally would have between the Colts and the Commanders at the end of October yeah, because of what took place yesterday. But all in all, you know, there is the the feeling certainly that this is – he, he wants – Jim Irsay kind of wants to be that leader NFL ownership-wise. Wants to be viewed that way and is, in this case, not afraid to take that baton and kind of run with it. And that's why – You heard and you saw what you heard and saw yesterday. And there's no, listen, I can't break down the other aspects of it, you know, the whole personal life of it, having the daughters and, you know, being changed by virtue of that. But I can't speak to the fact where he, he does want to be viewed in the leadership category. He wants to be known as, for both the NFL, for certainly this market, you know, for the fan base here. And for the rest of the owners, he wants to kind of be, you know, viewed as a leader in that capacity. And one of the reasons why he he took the stance, and certainly he believes in that particular stance. So there are probably personal aspects going on, personal aspects of of growth. And I can tell you by being fifty two and fifty three years old, when I say growth and maturity, it happens. I probably could use some growth and maturity. No doubt. You guys listen every day. You probably know that I could probably use growth and maturity. So there are just different levels in life and what you're doing that you discover and you want to be a part of. And uh, this is another one. And certainly it stood out yesterday because no owner has been that outspoken regarding this Daniel Snyder situation. Until yesterday. So we shall see where that goes. And we can hit that if you like. I saw the quote a little bit earlier from Jim Irsay. uh, You got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And a lot of you are going, well, wait a minute. What does that mean? Well, obviously you know what it means. But it's from the Mellencamp album Scarecrow going back to 1985. Which, by the way, is an incredibly... Kyle and I were listening to it in the pre-show. It is an incredibly underrated album. But that is, you've got to stand for something from the 85 album Scarecrow of John Mellencamp. That is where that quote got its start on Jim Mersey's Twitter account a little bit earlier today. Meantime, the Colts are back at practice in preparation for Sunday versus Tennessee. Looks like Shaquille Leonard was back at practice today. Not much to be said about the possibilities of any of these guys coming back playing. Shaquille Leonard was back today. Jonathan Taylor was back today. Naheem Hines was back today. And we'll check in with their availability coming up a little bit later on, I'm sure, a little bit later on in the week, in fact. Regarding their availability, but one guy that had played quite well in a backup role until he got injured in that Sunday victory over Jacksonville, Deion Jackson. I know a lot of people have been impressed with Deion Jackson. Deion Jackson off the bench had really helped out this team. Without question. And Deion Jackson will join us coming up in the five o'clock hour. He's not been on this show. I don't think he's been on any shows and I just kind of wanted to to get a little bit more of a background. It's interesting. You go back to when he made this team. You know, basically he made this team as more of, well, he can be a backup running back, but he can be a special teamer. That was exactly the reason why even though he's been active, Philip Lindsay did not make the team. Then Philip Lindsey ended up on the practice squad. Then obviously with the injuries, Philip Lindsey was brought up and then activated. But the main reason why Deion Jackson and that you look back at training camp and that was one of the, if not the biggest surprise. Because I think everybody thought that Philip Lindsey, because of his history, his history of producing having productive seasons at the running back, being a backup was a foregone conclusion. But, you know, you you miss out on a guy like Zach Pascal, you know, ends up via free agency leaving. And you needed a little bit more for a special teams unit that you expect a great deal out of. And Deion Jackson was a guy that had experience playing special teams, is comfortable in doing it, is good at doing it. And that's how he scored, or at least helped score, a roster spot. And then when he got the opportunity to take advantage of it for the first time in Denver nearly a couple of weeks ago on a Thursday night, he did just that. And then you saw him do that again on Sunday up until he got injured. I don't know much about much, but I do know that he runs hard. Uh, He runs hard and he goes at it, but we'll find out a lot more regarding Deion Jackson colts running back coming up in the five o'clock hour first time he's ever paid a visit now we'll talk to him again coming up in the five o'clock hour kevin bowen is going to join us as well kevin's going to be here in the four o'clock hour matt taylor voice of the colts is going to be here coming up at the bottom of the hour we'll get back to the colts conversation in a second but also a big night for the pacers they open up the season down at Field Fieldhouse, the first of three home dates, and then they go on the road, I believe, for five games after that. But the first of three at home, that is tonight, Friday night, and Saturday, I believe. Uh, first of three tonight's the Washington Wizards. A lot of you have suggested, and I don't want to temper your enthusiasm because at some point it'll hit you. I was asked this last night. So I go out and play a little bit of hoop last night over at CG really late. Didn't re-injure my foot. That was fantastic. Great job. Bathed in CBD oil. I don't know if really that worked or not, but I'll give it credit where credit is due because it was almost like that it did work. I guess when I come up with the fact that I didn't re-injure my foot, that I guess it did work. But I was being asked about the opener or the season with the Pacers in general and whether or not do you think that they could surprise I I don't think that they can surprise they're going to have some good nights where you're going to think hey this thing is ahead of schedule look how talented look how young these guys are I think Fort Wayne's older than the Pacers are right now look how talented look how young This thing is way ahead of schedule. And then you're going to have nights where basically they're blown out from the gate. And you're going to say, this is not working. These guys aren't it. Or it's going to take even longer than what I had first thought. And you're going to have to balance this particular opinion all season long. Now, most of you, if you remember, we go all the way back to what was the conversation regarding a reboot. And most of you that called up, most of you that tweeted me, most of you that emailed me suggested that you would be in. You would not bail on a reboot. This will test your decision. This will test your opinion. Because some nights, again, some nights will be fun. Like, tonight is going to be fun. They're going to open it up. You have everything new down at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. If you're going to the game, that should be an absolute blast. A lot of newness, a lot of freshness. Not only in the building, but on the team. But honestly, believing that they're going to be a lot better or challenged for the postseason, the first things first, you got to just get through a week and see what you got a little bit. And I don't want to see you get worn out on it, for example, before December. This is still October NBA. And while I love it, because I love the NBA, I was watching it last night too. But hey, By the way, if you guys watched the Lakers last night, at some point they are going to part with that other first rounder and there's going to be a deal made. You guys happen to see their bench. My friend Greg pointed out their bench and I, I was just getting home from playing hoop and I was you know looking at the bench and some of their bench players were in there. That's really their bench? Did they have anybody missing last night due to injury? The Lakers? So they're going to roll out there with, with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And yeah, I guess Russell Westbrook, who, by the way, Russell Westbrook, fantastic. That is going to be just a great soap opera until he ends up being dealt. That's going to be great. Last night, when he came up, dinged a little bit, he suggested it was because Darvin Ham. Had given him the responsibility of coming off the bench. And his body wasn't used to coming off the bench. And he came off cool and wasn't really ready. And that led to his injury. This is just going to be beautiful. This is going to be so great. It's so great. <laughs> Frank Vogel's is going to be somewhere going, man, oh, man. I think I'm just going to chill out for a little bit. Sit back. Good luck, Darvin Ham. But, no, I watched both, at least most, most of the end of that second one and a lot of the uh, beginning of the first. I'm with you on the Celtics uniforms, too. Come on. I know that it's all about selling. I know it's all about making money. I know you have all these alternative looks. Were those alternative uniforms last night, or is that what they're wearing this year? Because I think they suck.
3: Aren't those the Bill Russell Memorial uniforms? They? that they? Uh, yeah. Is that what they were from the Bill Russell? I, yeah, I so. don't I don't dig them. I don't like them. They like to wear those black ones, too. They should yeah. just stick to the classics. I,
0: I, I, see, I just love the – I love the cla- – there are just some things I was going to mention that I wouldn't change. I I, I understand why you'd want to do it with the, the Bill Russell Memorial of them, but – there are just some things you don't change. And I would say the same thing, and I know that the Colts weren't originally here, but I'd say the same thing about the horseshoe. I mean, that's just classic NFL. It's like the C on the side of the Bears helmet is classic NFL to me. There's some things I wouldn't change just for the sake of making money.
3: Like IU basketball, don't really you don't really want to mess with them
0: too I don't really much. don't want to mess with that either, and everything else has been messed with, so I can imagine at some point that we'll see some messing. And I don't know if that makes me old and crotchety or not. Again, I understand if it's an all time great, and you know you're honoring the passing of an all time great. I just I, I love the classics. It's love and and to me the the green and the white of the Celtics. I'm not a Celtics fan by any stretch. That's the classic. That's a classic. And you, I think you can view that in every sport. But it really doesn't matter any longer. I mean, because certainly you get the alternatives. Are they going to wear those the entire year?
3: Does it say? No, I don't the ones think they so. Wore that,
0: that was just in honor of Russell last night, or are they going to wear it periodically over the season? They might
3: wear it periodically, right.
2: but well, I know part, it's not every game. Yeah, that part
0: makes sense. That makes, again, if you're honoring, you know, an all-time great like that, that makes sense. You know, other than that, not so much. Yeah, making change for the sake of making change because you can just sell some more some more gear. I don't think I'm down, especially when you're talking about something classic like that. Is there anything more classic than the Celtics? The green and white, the block lettering. And and some of these teams, by the way, here's a couple of things you noticed last night with both the Celtics and the Lakers. When when are we going to come into a time where we're going to be running out of numbers?
3: You oh, I think of, the Celtics see, are already there. You see some
0: of the odd numbers. What number was it? Ninety-one last night that Blake
3: Griffin was rocking was for saying, the Celtics. Yeah, I think he's in the nineties.
0: Yeah, yeah, There was a thirty-seven. I saw that. Like you're saying, some numbers that you know, it's like you got a you know a safety in the NFL or a defensive lineman in the NFL, just doesn't look right for basketball. At some point, you're going to be running out of numbers. But now I was glad to see the NBA back last night with no Pacers. Pacers start later on tonight, but it was fun to watch those couple of games. Major League Baseball, of course, back at you coming up this afternoon. Uh, Kyle Swarber went second deck, 480 feet. If you're going to stare at something and not have to face any retribution from the opposing pitcher and or team, that would be it. If you hit one that far, you should be allowed really to stare at it and not move until it lands. Nobody should be blamed. That thing was an absolute blast. You should be allowed to stand right there and watch every second of it until it lands, which really didn't take that long, but still. That is absolute admiration. Phillies get that game one win in San Diego over the Padres. Same two teams coming up. I believe this afternoon, right, night game is going to be in Houston with the Astros and the Yankees. Yankees dispose, and we were talking yesterday about Josh Naylor of the Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> you knew what he was rocking the baby and all. I don't know. He, he just kind of lost his mind after that home run the other night. And then Cleveland goes out and then ends up losing that game, and you come back to Yankee Stadium, and they were ready for the dude last night. Yeah, they lit him up. I didn't even know what he was rocking the baby, and he said something like, to Garrett Cole, you're my son. I'm all good, too, with trash talking. I don't know. It may have to be better than that, though. I think you've heard you're my son or I'm your dad or whatever the hell that is. But, but man, they gave it to him last night without question. Certainly did. All right, back to the Colts of practice today. Again, if you missed it, Shaquille Leonard. If you missed it, Jonathan Taylor, if you missed it, Naheem Hines, all back at practice today. I think the most common question asked of me last night outside of why Jim Ursay decided to stand up and say what he said, what no other owner did yesterday regarding Daniel Snyder was why can't the Colts continue to run the offense as what we saw in that win over Jacksonville? The hurry up, the tempo, the rhythm passing the shorter patterns, and my answer was you can do variations of it. They're not going to go, and they may go no huddle, but it's not going to be a style of no huddle in which presented to you 58 passes for the quarterback this past Sunday. And Frank Reich, again, said as much early in the week. There are variations that I think you have to do. You have to utilize – A couple, especially in terms of your wide receiver routes, because I think that offense just didn't benefit the rhythm and execution of an offense that had little to none of that leading up to the second half on Sunday. But I think it also helped out the offensive line that has been among the worst until that point on Sunday. So I think you benefit them both. We'll see if that rhythm maintains, and we'll see what additions we saw on Sunday continue offensively this Sunday down in Nashville. I did want to say this. I think we have this somewhere. I don't think we have it ready to go. I don't know if you heard it on Colts Roundtable Live. I think Matt had it yesterday as well in a clip where he was talking to Frank Reich after the game, and he had Frank Reich on Colts Roundtable Live, and they were talking about the wide receivers. And Frank Reich had, had kind of, you know, they were kind of joking around, or Frank was kind of joking around, and he said, Hey, you know, I'm not a I told you so type of guy, but I did to- tell you about the wide receivers, how they're going to be legit. Here's how it sounded
1: I don't like to say I told you so,
0: but,
1: <laughs> but I think I'm going to say, no, I'm just, I'm just Come on, bring it. Bring the hammer. No, I want to bring the hammer. I love these guys. I really do. I love these receivers. I've said that all the offseason. i said it all in preseason. Mm -hmm. I think these guys are good players. Everybody's talking about we don't have enough firepower at receiver, and Chris Ballard and I are just looking at each other like, they'll find out. (laughs) They'll find out. (laughs) I
0: love it. They'll find out. I love it. That is Frank Reich from Colts Roundtable Live. And here's where I take a stand on this because if you go back, we have been, I've been judging on four years at that position. I've been judging on four years. And then I was also judging on the first five weeks of the season. And normally what coaches or anybody in football will tell you is, you've got to give this thing time. You've got to have patience. You've got to understand that. It takes a while. But as I told everybody that were on me about the way this offense played in the second half on Sunday, My sample size of still wondering if this is real or my sample size of this actually being real is greater than still what you saw on Sunday. Do I think that Alec Pierce is going to be really good? Absolutely. I already think Michael Pittman Jr. is really good. But we've been told this for like four years. I've been telling you this for four years. And while I hope that this is just a stepping stone to exactly what they're talking about, and I th- hope that Frank Wright can come back at all of us that question that wide receiving room and say, hey, you know what? I told you so. I just don't know if I would be doing it after a half of football. My sample size is larger. We had four years and five weeks. Close to four years and five weeks. My sample size is larger. So you're not allowed to tell me to be patient and then be impatient yourself. If you catch my drift. That's all I've ever wanted. All I've ever wanted, I hope, I hope that there is a point where consistently this group produces and they can say, I told you so every time they do. But until there's consistency to it, I think most of us still will remain skeptical, even if we like the two guys at the front, and we do, and we should, and we better. but I think we're all still allowed to remain skeptical until we see consistent results from the players and the team. Talk about that coming up on the other side. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, is going to join us, bottom of the hour. Kevin Bowen coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Deion Jackson of the Colts, their running back who was injured. We'll find out about that and talk about how he has adjusted to being a focal point at times, of this offense in the past two weeks. Dion Jackson will join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. If you're going to the game on Sunday, I've got something for you. I've got an angle for you. I want you to be a part of something if you are going. Again, this is only for those that have tickets and are going on Sunday. I guess legitimately if you don't have tickets, if you wanted to go down and hang out, you could. So who am I? But I think it would work better if you already planned on going if we're going to make a weekend out of it. How you can invade the Titans' tailgate. I'll tell you all about that with bullseyeeventgroup.com and a lot more. That is coming up on the other side again. Pacers-Wizards later on tonight. The Pacers open up their portion of the NBA schedule against the Wizards inside Gamebridge Fieldhouse. 6.30, your pregame coverage begins. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Shout out to everybody there. You got the stream, you got the app. You got us an HD radio at 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Don't go away.
1: The ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every yeah, Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5, the
0: fan. Yeah, this was the Jim Irsay quote from earlier today. You've got to stand for something. Melon 1985. Highly underrated album, I think, of his collection. Scarecrow, Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, voice of the Colts Matt Taylor joins us. What do you think about Scarecrow from the Mellencamp collection album? Wise is that right up there for you?
4: Oh man, I sort of get lost in the the uh, discology, if you will, or the recordology. What what year would that have been? Eighty five,
0: like, brother. Eighty five was Scarecrow.
4: That's him. That's the the cover of that album. Is him like chilling on a fence post? It is. Right? Yeah. 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 I used to do that yeah. a lot
0: back in the day. Just chilled right there in my jean jacket <laughs> on a fence post.
4: <laughs> Come over here and take my picture as I lean on this fence post.
0: It looks like that I have done some work out here. Look at the cows behind me. <laughs> back in
4: the that's day. That's my backyard Ohio, right
0: there. It. I know. That's probably that's probably Jackson County and Monroe County. That's not too far from where I grew up. But yeah, the most noted song from that album is Small Town so, yeah, that's the,
4: that's like the picture uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, iconic with, uh, Damon Bailey Remember, Damon Bailey yeah. was like resting up, uh, up against that, um, that, that sign. It says, where's where, where he from Hel- Heltonville or Heltonville, Indiana, Heltonville, Indiana, just outside of Bedford.
0: You know, it's funny, after that song was released at 85, it took, it probably even went into the 2000s. Anytime that there was a sports story, or really any type of story regarding Indiana, that song would play beneath
4: it. Mm-hmm. So, anything. I've always argued, I mean, he's from Seymour, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Isn't Seymour Seymour isn't like the seventh biggest City what in the state is it you'll Isn't
0: have to it? look that up kyle i'm not sure about that the seventh
4: seymour i mean i i know it's like i mean the, the song is about a small town he depicts a small town with like one stoplight and you know everybody knows each other and there's one diner and well he did he grew up
0: like, in a different seymour though uh, he grew up in the 60s late 60s seymour so Wal I, the walmart dis- distributing center wasn't there yet or anything they still had the hen house yeah. The hen house coffee shop was still there.
4: Yeah. No, I I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I mean the song was written, you know, yeah. forty years ago. No, I'll I'll give you that. But I- I'm fairly certain that Seymour is in the top fifteen in terms of population in the state of Indiana right now. All right, I'm I- gonna I check feel- in
0: with I'm, I'm gonna check in with our population expert Kyle Unimark across from me <laughs> right here in the studio. <laughs> oh, where is it ranked, Seymour?
3: It is not top fifteen. I'm still scrolling. I'm not. I might oh. have to do a control F search.
0: Oh my! Not even top fifteen. Man.
3: Forty-five.
0: It's forty-fifth. Forty-five. 45? Yeah. Give me I some. Give me some names that. of towns that's larger than Seymour that would surprise I mean, it us, takes Kyle. Me,
4: it takes me like thirty minutes to drive through Seymour. Well, that's because the
0: they've lights. got some spread out stoplights right there. If you're on US yeah. fifty, yeah, that's true.
3: Right above uh, Clarksville, Laporte, Munster, Greenfield, Franklin, Marion. Hobart, Brownsburg, yeah. See, there you go.
4: You say Franklin's more populous than Seymour?
3: Yep, by uh, 3,000
0: people. Hey, man, the Uh, more you know. See what you learn on this show? The more you know. <laughs>
4: that's an absolute tangent on my part, and I apologize for that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Listen, I I know that we're gonna talk football, but obviously I do want to bring up what Jim Merce, you know, had to say yesterday too, and uh I I'd kinda of, you don't have to, you know, fare in an opinion if you don't wanna I get it. But uh I I uh had mentioned this. It just he looked to me. He kind of he wants to be viewed as that that lead guy or a lead guy that you can go to for all things NFL within the ownership. That was one of the aspects that struck me yesterday.
4: Well, I mean, yeah, I, I certainly um, you know I, I'm not I'm not uh, informed on all this to be honest with you. I mean, I know there's an investigation going on with Daniel yep. Snyder. And, um, you know, obviously as an owner, Jim Irsay knows more about the the brotherhood or the fraternity, if you will, of NFL owners more so than certainly than I do. But here's what I will say. I mean, uh, he, he's obviously, uh, he has a formed opinion. Um, it's an educated opinion. And so he feels that it's warranted. Um, but on top of that, uh, and this is just an observation on my part, you know, there's between outside of Daniel Snyder and Jim Irsay, there are still 30 other NFL owners. And, you know, I, I don't, unless something's happened in the last, you know, six minutes since we've been talking here, I haven't seen anything from any other owners publicly. And so to me, yeah. you know, that to me sort of, that, that silence speaks volumes. Um, you know, th- there hasn't been anybody that's come out and, and uh, sort of denounced no Jim doubt. Irsay's opinion on it No this. doubt. Um, so that that's just an observation on my part. Uh, but, again, the investigation is still ongoing. And, you know, Jim Irsay, again, feels it very strongly uh, to come out and say something and to be sort of the the leader of, of a push that he feels uh, needs to be made. And, and we'll see how it all unfolds. But uh, there's no doubt now that there's going to be a lot more eyeballs and, and maybe a higher viewership on that uh, game in two weeks between the Colts and the Commanders. Um, you know, there's the Carson Wentz angle, but now there's this, you know, off the field as well between the two owners.
0: Yeah. You know what? And I downplayed that a little bit. You know what I mean? I kind of downplayed it. I'm thinking, I I think people, the storyline, if Wentz were playing, well, I would certainly be there, you know, for the crowd and, and getting everybody amped up. But I, I think the whole owner thing, I, to me, I would give that more of a backseat, I guess, than you – know, they'll be talked about. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. the, the yeah. shows will be talking about it. But I think as far as, you know, being a, a lot of interest for those fans going to be in that building, probably probably not too much yeah. compared to that.
4: No, the that's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, once we get to, like, uh, Saturday night and – and you know, Sunday day of yeah. the game and certainly once the football's uh, kicked off, then it's just a football game. And it's, I mean, they're all going to be important games from here on out for the Colts. I mean, uh, especially if, if, if they can't get the job done on Sunday against Tennessee, then, then then their margin for error is razor razor thin for this team. If they want to you know make a playoff push and, and get back into contention to win the AFC South, and then they'd have to have some things go their way, uh, you know, with other teams losing down the stretch, but no, that's, that's a really important game. And then you've got the quarterback situation there with Wentz and now these, these two owners. But, you know, I, I think 99% of your audience probably doesn't care about yeah. two billionaires squabbling. They just want to watch football. They want to see the Colts win. And
0: they want to see exactly what they caught for the most part in the second half. And, by the way, Matt Taylor joins us. Shout out on the call. Uh, and the Colts, your your digital staff put together a great video short of that final call, that touchdown pass to Alec Pierce. And and that was outstanding. And you know, the best supporting actor uh, playing the role of your radio color analyst every single week is Rick Venturi with his (laughs) arms, his arms (laughs) raised signaling touchdown was outstanding.
4: (laughs) That's that's Rick, man. Like that. That's that's stoic Rick Venturi, you yeah. know. He's 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 a coach and he's he watches with a critical eye, but at the end of the day he's a fan too and he wants to see this team win and he's going to rejoice when they do because he puts a lot of time and effort and energy um you know into into the calls and, and trying to make the broadcast sound good. So, yeah, that was that was incredibly cool, you know. I've seen some other teams do that and I just sort of pitched the idea. It's like, you know, we've had some big moments Prior to Sunday, even you know you had the Jelani Woods touchdown uh, with under 30 seconds to go against Kansas City. You had the Stephon Gilmore, you know, great defensive play on Thursday night. I was like, let's let's just put a, a camera up there, a GoPro, and see what we get. And then if we get something good, you know, maybe we'll turn something into it. And it's it's been fun to see the reaction from that post because it is cool to you know uh, peer back the or pull back the curtain a little bit, let people. Look into the radio booth because I know we we've got a lot of fun or have a lot of fun up there. We put a lot of work into it, so it was cool to let that other people awesome. see, you know, so how how the dynamic works. You know, on game day inside the booth, hey, it was awesome.
0: I mean, it really was. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joins us. Colts down in Nashville, coming up on Sunday, and of course we'll lead you up to countdown to kickoff, and then uh, the game call with Matt and Rick and Lara coming up on Sunday again down at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. You know, what was interesting about that final pass play? I talked about this on Monday. Uh, that touchdown that salted things away was all that took place after the snap of the football. I mean, you you, you had you saw pressure, uh, you saw. Ryan get hit low, still deliver the football perfectly. And maybe the best part about that was the hand fighting that was going on between Shaquille Griffin and Alec Pierce going down the field. And then Pierce got that final swipe and then that separation speed that the football was like right in his hands delivered perfectly to. There was so much going on on that play just outside of the pass and catch itself.
4: Yeah, and I think the Colts sort of salivating there. Once they saw that Griffin was going to be playing, you know, man to man or press man to man, yeah, and that's that's the matchup they won. And I think they sort of changed that play or changed the route before the snap based on the coverage. And you know, that's you know, to Alec, Alec Pierce's credit, that's where he's been at his best this year. And you can't say that a lot about a lot of rookies. I mean, that's where these first year wide receivers tend to struggle. And that's the biggest difference for a lot of guys from college football to the NFL. And Shaq Griffin's not. I mean. This guy was a really good football player in Seattle, and he still is with the Jaguars. I mean, that's that's a that's a really good corner. And Alec Pierce beat him when the game was on the line and scored a touchdown on a very, very good defender. And so, like, that's, that's what is most encouraging about Alec Pierce. It's – you can say, yeah, he's got 18 catches for, you know, almost 275 yards in the last four games. But it's how the, the catches come, and it's when they come. I mean, he had the – the big three catches on the last drive of regulation in Denver. Yeah. A lot of trust from Matt Ryan. And, and and you had Matt, he it. goes to get
0: him too, man. Sorry to interrupt, but he, he goes to get the – he doesn't wait for the ball to come to hand. He goes to get the ball.
4: No doubt. No doubt. And so, like, that's that's what is most impressive about him. He looks like a four-year guy, not a four-game guy. Um, and he, he just seems like all of them. I mean, Jelani Woods, throw him in there. Kylan Granson, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, Paris Campbell – You know, it looks like all of these guys are starting to settle in and and these moments, you know, and and pressure-packed situations in the fourth quarter crunch time, uh, it's not too big for this team. So you'd love for them to not be in those situations where they'd be up two scores late in the game and sort of assault the game away. Uh, But it's good to know you've got that ability and not every team's got that ability, you know, to sort of come through when it's, you know, when when the lights are brightest, if you will. Um, But no, Alec Pierce has a lot of trust from Matt Ryan. And that throw was a thing of beauty, and that it was an even better catch. And, uh, you know, what a a great moment so far in the early season for the Colts.
0: Uh, Deion Jackson's on the show coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Any interesting tidbits? Because I don't think he's ever been on. I don't know how much outside. I know he's probably talked to you guys before. Anything stand out with the backup running back who in, in the past two games has done a really good job?
4: Yeah, no, it's funny you say that. I actually talked to him today, interviewed him today, um, he he grew up in Atlanta. I'm sure I don't know if you know this. You probably yeah. do because yep. it's out there. But uh, he grew up in Atlanta, and the high school that he went to, um, they have a they must have a really big budget for commencement speakers because I think um, you know some actors and some high profile athletes, including Matt Ryan, uh, gave the Matt Ryan gave the commencement speech <laughs> at uh, yeah. Dion Jackson's yeah. high school graduation and then here they are 5 years later and their teammates and um you know he's he's uh you know scoring touchdowns and catching 10 passes in a game from you know a 15 year veteran so pretty cool story there and he also said that you know with uh with all the recognition that he got between fantasy football scoring a touchdown and then you know the good morning football show on NFL network they have that angry runs bit he won that this week as well so between all of that uh he had like 450 either text messages or direct messages on Twitter with, from people, you know, hitting him up and congratulating him on a great game and great plays and people thanking him for their, you know, fantasy football victories for the for the things that he did stat-wise. So he's a really humble guy, good guy, and, you know, he's as we always say, he's always been one or two plays away from being the guy. Yeah last two games he was the dude and he came through and the moment wasn't too big for
0: him Matt, i know in closing here it's easier said than done offensively but even with the return of the guys uh, essentially he was playing for because of injury you you think he's solidified himself here at least in the short term to maybe getting a couple of opportunities a couple of snaps that he would not have received before proving himself in the last two games
4: well, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I still think, I, I think that one's going to be tough because I think if you have a healthy Jonathan Taylor and Na'im Hines, and, and by the way, I think both guys did practice today, so they're trending on being back mm-hmm. after missing, you know, virtually the last two games with Hines going out early in Denver. But uh, I still think, I, I don't know. I I don't know if he's I man. Deion Jackson's a really good football player, but still, I think Jonathan Taylor qualifies as a guy that you don't want to relinquish carries to you know somebody else he's just that good I mean he proved that last year but I will say this for Deion Jackson that he's a guy that has absolutely solidified his place on this roster you know going forward throughout the remainder of his rookie contract and he still has two more years after this year I mean if you saw him in training camp he he, well, first of all, he plays on special teams and contributes that way, um, so he does add value in the third phase of the game. But he runs very hard, and I think he runs, you know, similarly, if you will. I'm not saying they're the same player at all, but they run similarly. Um, he does that to to that of, of Jonathan Taylor, um, and that's why I think he's assimilated nicely and and meshed in nicely with this offense in the running game. Now I know they haven't busted out 150 yards rushing in the last two games. You know, they haven't exploded as far as that's concerned, but he's been able to run like Jonathan Taylor. And so it's not foreign to the offensive line blocking for him. And it's not uncomfortable for Frank Reich to dial up runs that he would for Jonathan Taylor now going to Deion Jackson. So um, yeah, he's, he's definitely earned his place, but I think once Taylor comes back, you still want to ride that horse. He's still going to be your guy in the running game. And I think he's going to be close to, you know, having a, a big production game, stat, big stat game like he did all of 2021.
0: It's a Matt Taylor, Voice of the coach. By the way, I'm assuming he played football with Jamari Saylor, who is a starter on that offensive line with the Chargers?
4: Ooh, that's a good question. I'll have uh, to ask have to him that. that I'll have to ask yeah. him that. I, I'm just yeah. gonna,
0: I don't am I know. I'm assuming they at some point did. But uh, I just well, actually yeah, I looked up that say. high school. And that's uh, Saylor. Was at that high school. Wendell Carter Jr., who's an NBA player, uh, attended that high school. And Michael Barrett, the former catcher, I believe, with the Cubs, most notably back in the day, was. Yeah, he said he
4: went to. Uh, he went to high school with uh, a lot of Arthur Blank's kids. They go to ah, school there too. Okay. You know, he's the he's the owner of the of the Falcons, so I think that's where a lot of that. Uh, I think it must be a pretty good school. Obviously, if you you can you can deduce that from. Uh, you know, the the background, if you will. And but, attended uh, Duke, so, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that makes I sense. I asked him today, I said, uh, you know, I know he played football at Duke, but I said, how weird is it going to be to watch Duke basketball without Coach K? And he's like, you know, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. He's like, I only <laughs> went to two basketball games in four years. I'm like, what? What are we doing? he got to go wait out there in a tent for three days. Yeah, but, I mean, he's a you know, he can get student tickets somehow being the stud running back on the football team you would think would so yeah
0: you would think so yeah. not a lot of room in there hey great call great end call on sunday and uh have a uh, fantastic time rest of the week and then down down in nashville and we'll see if uh, maybe they found a little something uh yeah, execution sure. wise offensively from this past sunday matt taylor voice of the colts on the andy moore automotive group hotline appreciate you buddy All right, man. Be good. You too. Matt Taylor on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Quick break. Kevin Bowen, top of the hour. Deion Jackson in the 5 o'clock hour. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Jump in there. We'll have a conversation and what you can win if you head to Nashville coming up on Sunday or this weekend. I'll tell you about that coming up.
1: The Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: Uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts with us earlier. Always good to talk to Matt. Great call, by the way. And yeah, the Colts put together some fantastic video with that call. Earlier this week, that was the uh, game, basically the game assaulting away touchdown pass from Matt Ryan to Alec Pierce on Sunday against Jacksonville. Matt joined us a little bit earlier. Deion Jackson of the Colts going to be here coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now for the morning show, Kevin Inquiry, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen, he does join us. I, know we were, I was talking about this yesterday, that news and you know Jim Mercer's outspokenness all kind of came together in the 5 o'clock hour. Um, first, I'm going to ask you what, what you think, and then I want you to play off of this. Um, Because th- this is more of an educated opinion, I guess, than it is anything else. But I, I think there's an aspect with what Jim Irsay had to say yesterday and in- being the lone owner to step up and say anything regarding Daniel Snyder, the commander's owner, and what is going on right now. I I, I think to me that-, that Jim Irsay would like to take more of an active leadership role among those owners. I'm not suggesting that's the only reason why he did what he did yesterday because i'm assuming he has some deeply rooted thoughts and beliefs as to what led him down that path but i do think that he wants to be known as more of one of the leaders in nfl ownership and i think we saw that yesterday would you agree
5: yeah i i would definitely agree i think it's a good point i guess i'll start there i think he wants to be um He has an extreme reverence for the history of the NFL, for the history of ownership in the league. I mean, you won't go through a Jim Merce press conference without him mentioning George Hallis or the Hunts or the Roonies or, you know, whoever you want to throw into that group and mentioning how, you know, they were at his wedding and, you know, he's been around them for so long and all of that. So I think what you saw yesterday, part of what you saw yesterday, obviously it was a – very thought out and, and, you know, very calculated, frankly, what he was doing. But I think part of it was, you know, I'm defending the shield. And and I know that, you know, that can kind of sound as like a a bit of a fluff statement, but I think Ursay holds that in high regard. I think he holds the history of the NFL in high regard. And I think he believes that Daniel Snyder attacked uh, the entire ownership group and some of the reports out there. Um, from ESPN and, you know, calling the ownership group kind of a mafia and, and they all hate each other and all those quotes that were in the ESPN piece last week. Um, as far as what Ursay did, I, I have a um, an immense amount of respect for what he did. Um, I think in society, frankly, particularly in the NFL, but I think in society it's fair to say um, that oftentimes, like people in positions of authority – sometimes their voices are needed to create change and realize that people that are also in positions of authority cannot just get away with things because they have fame and money. Um, and I think it, it, it was necessary for an owner to speak up, um, for the warning shot to be sent, for the media nationally to really get behind it, And I'm sure today there were conversations at those league meetings in New York um, directly because of what Jim Irsay said yesterday. Um, And and I thought, you know, he he said it in in a very tactful, smart way of like, you know, if these allegations are true, then it merits consideration of removing Daniel Snyder as owner. And I'm paraphrasing a bit, but that's pretty much what he said. And I think that is exactly spot on of this is a very public warning shot in that, just because you are an owner, just because you have money, does not mean that these actions under your watch, some accusations are directly towards Daniel Snyder, but more so organizationally, you know, workplace culture, et cetera, that that's not acceptable. Um, and, and, again, I, I just feel like in too many of these situations across different industries, uh, people of authority just get away with it. And the fact that you had someone that is a peer of Daniel Snyder speak up about it, in a public manner creates tension, and at some point it will create a big decision for the owners. If these allegations are indeed true.
0: So Kevin Bowen joins us. I, I also felt that it, it, to me, again, this is um, uh, an educated opinion here, but I kind of felt that he, he probably took the temperature of the room with a lot of his, uh, owners as well? and because uh, If you don't have you know, basically close to a, a lot of, hey, you know what, you're absolutely right. Hey, if you want to do this, go ahead and do it. If you don't have that, you probably don't do it, right? So he probably did have that temperature taken for the room in this case in New York?
5: Yeah, I, I would assume so. Um, I, I also think this, John, I, I feel like, and I don't know, maybe the arrest in 2014 is Opened up his eyes a little bit more. I, I, I don't have maybe any it's...
0: question. I think there's a lot of it. And Kev, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you because I want you to play off of this as well. Because I was thinking about something similar. I I, I I'd, so I mentioned. I think he wants to to be become more of a, a leader uh, in ownership in the NFL. And I think it's it's what you're talking about, Kev. I think it's you know maybe being you know the the kid that took over for the owner. And this is you know he's just. You know, kind of, you know, he gets that in his lap, and he was, he was, really wasn't known as, you know, one of those go-to guys as far as, you know, what the future of the NFL is going to be. And I think he wants a lot of that moving forward now, and that may have not been something that he had wanted years ago. You make a good point.
5: Yeah, and I also think, and he mentioned this yesterday, but I think it's been really relevant um, over the past few years. Now that his daughters, and in particular Carly, is oldest, and Kaylin, is youngest, have taken on a little bit more of a uh, front-facing role with, with the organization. He mentioned his 13-year-old granddaughter being at training camp this past August, and whether it's having three daughters, whether it's having seven granddaughters, I think the accusations at hand with Daniel Snyder, um, I think, just matter more, mean more to him. Um, And I think any father of 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 a girl probably feels that way. And whether it was Kalen kind of igniting some of the kicking the stigma campaign and and wanting her dad to um, help her out and being such a public voice in that and public face in that. um, I, I think that is very fresh on his mind and has been very relevant. Um, and again, I think a lot of this dates back to, to 2014 and that, you know, if, if this is 2005, I, I don't know if Jim Mercey does this, and maybe that's I, me speak, speaking out of turn, but oh, I agree. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, those are some of my thoughts about all of it. Um, and, and I think it just naturally it's, I think of how society has evolved a bit with these and that some of these stories have become a little bit more prominent and, Again, when you are the father of three girls and you have the granddaughters, and you're seeing them around the organization, and you're seeing um, a once very revered franchise in Washington become much more of a laughing stock, I think some of that plays into it as well.
0: Does that add any juice other than the pregame storyline in a couple of weeks when the Commanders are here, or is it just kind of in there? <laughs>
5: Uh, that's a good question. I'm sure the NFL loves that it was a 425 kick to begin with, yeah. um, and that it will have a few more national eyes on it. I mean, it, selfishly, I really wanted to see Carson Wentz. Me too. Play in this me, me, me.
0: I would rather have that than I would have this storyline.
5: Definitely. You know, I, I'm all for um, storylines, entertainment. Yeah. Um, for a guy in Carson Wentz that is on probably the the edge of the cliff, if you will, with his NFL career and and what a huge moment that would be for him. And I was just curious to see how he would react to all of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I suggested, you know, earlier today that, you know, maybe instead of Tart Glenn's Ring of Honor ceremony, you push that out a few weeks and just bring out the octagon for Ursae and Daniel Snyder at halftime a week from Sunday. Uh, I, I'm sure deep down it adds a little something for Ursa, but and Daniel Snyder, of course. But outside of that, I can't say that, Ron Rivera's pregame speech will be including a let's go win one for the owner inside the visiting locker room.
0: Yeah, I I, I do. I completely agree. I, just, I I think, to me, I would rather have the former quarterback actually playing to have something there on the field than just right. this is, to me, is going to be a storyline. There'll probably be camera shots inside, you know, the owner's suites, and that'll be about it.
5: Yeah, yep, exactly. And, again, obviously the win's implications are, you know, far greater than just and being out there from a entertainment storyline, going back to that place and the Earth Day comments in the off season, you obviously have the draft pick storyline with it as well. But yeah, like you said, outside of a few owner shots, which I, I don't, I don't know, maybe I, I feel like they don't really show Earth Day much during games. Um, at least at Lucas Oil Stadium, I, I would assume that that'll be a little bit more. Uh, prevalent a week from sunday finding the visiting box and finding nurse's box
0: kevin bowen in the morning show is with us so what aspects if not totally what we saw offensively that was implemented in that many bye week do you think will carry over from the jacksonville win to what we're going to see offensively in that game plan on sunday in nashville
5: well i i, I think you cannot get too too far away from the no huddle right, right there with you. i get that it's yeah, you know, I get this not going to be a weekly success to the tune that you had it on Sunday, but your offense was in such a dire situation. And it wasn't just like one aspect of the offense. It was protection. It was turning the ball over. I thought honestly, the no huddle created a little bit of a run game, not in the staff, but Deion Jackson, 10 catches for 70 some yards. That was pretty much your, your run game on Sunday. So I thought it ignited so many different areas of your offense that again, desperately needed something that the Frank Reich norm has been no huddle is a very, very individual weak thing, and it does not become too repetitive. But again, I would argue that you haven't been in such an awful, offensive situation and then taken such a 180 that I I think it's got to be right there. And I get it. On the road, it might be more difficult to implement considering crowd noise. uh, But I felt like something that just kind of helps you out when you go no huddle, and I think is a perfect example to Sunday. The strength of Tennessee would be their defensive line, in my opinion. Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons, who totally wrecked that first matchup here in Indianapolis. Well, if you get to a point in the game on Sunday where Tennessee is a rotating defensive lineman at the start of the series, and for some reason Simmons and or Simmons and Autry happen to be on the sideline, What a golden time for the Colts to look down and say, hey, here we go, let's rev it up, let's not sub, and therefore you're keeping one of their best players, again, players that absolutely wrecked the game just a few weeks ago, keep them on the sideline for potentially an entire drive. I think those are some of the situations you can get to and that you need to try and tap into.
0: I'm there with you. Um, aspect, because to me, I think o- offensively it's one thing with the execution um, and the juice and yeah, you know, kind of the cohesion that it brought. But I think it helped out the offensive line. And I, I w- I've been screaming about the shorter pass patterns, more rhythm passing game for a while now with this offensive line playing as bad as it has. And I think that that maintains being necessary for this team and this team's possibility of success offensively moving forward. I just do.
5: Yeah, I think following that week two game against Jacksonville, John, and it probably was a bit of a reluctant thing for Frank Reich and the staff to admit, but at some point after that Jacksonville game, they came together as a staff and said, "Uh, guys, we can't block them. Like, we cannot block them. Normal offense, we cannot block Jacksonville. And then since that week two matchup down there, you had continued offensive line changes personnel-wise, continued question marks, arguably even more ugly moments for that group. Um, And so then you thought to them, you know, they thought to themselves, okay, when we see them again in a month, what are we going to do differently? Well, you got the mini-bye week, got a little extra time. You know, the Monday, Tuesday, you're not not necessarily in full recovery mode from a Sunday game coming off the Thursday nighter. Here's the no huddle, help out the O-line. And, again, you are admitting that your offensive line is so broken, you've got to do something very drastic to change up that that approach. Um, And, you know, I can totally hear people that are like, why did it take six weeks and all that? That's fine. But I think a little bit of credit also needs to say, at least you didn't bang your head against the wall again and continue to think, oh, no, just the normal offense is going to work or, you know, we're going to stick with it, it's going to work, water is going to find its level, all that. They didn't do that. They made a really significant change um, against a divisional opponent, and it was absolutely necessary, and the success was tremendous.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I heard on Roundtable Live with Matt on Monday where Frank Wright was kind of doing I told you so. To those out there, like you and I, (laughs) who are non-believers in that offensive, or I should say that wide receiving group, and what's funny about that is, these guys all preach patience. All of our detractors that are Colts fans say, you got to be patient. See, I told you so. And you get a sample size of basically one really good half, right, of offense, and now You know, you you take that sample against basically our wide receiving sample is uh, the better part of five weeks and the better part of four years prior. So you take that game and then I I, I always find that hilarious. I do. Listen, I think Alec Pierce is good. He's going to be good. I think Michael Pittman Jr. is good and going to get better. But I, I don't think that that all of a sudden is I told you so territory out of what we witnessed on Sunday.
5: I would agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, I I did hear that clip, and I did feel like there was probably a little bit of sentiment uh, directed maybe towards yourself or or me. Um, And I would say this to Frank Reich, and I would say this to Chris Ballard. Anybody want to remind people of week one and week two? And and I guess that's the issue that I had with Ballard's approach. And I'm paraphrasing here, but Ballard said something to the effect during the offseason of, you know, We're going to wait on our wideouts, and at some point during the season, if we feel like a significant move is needed, then we will make that. But it's a long season. It's 17 games. That sounds great, but when you've lost eight straight season openers and seven straight years in Jacksonville, and your schedule shows two divisional games right out of the gate, weeks one and week two really, really matter. And in week one, you didn't score a touchdown until seven minutes to go in the game, and – Unfortunately, you had a big drop from your rookie wideout in that game. Um, you had some mistakes from other wideouts in that game. And I think that was a big reason why. You only had three points until the final seven eight minutes of that game. And then week two, um, you get shut out. And the biggest contribution Paris Campbell, your number one wideout in that game, makes is an offensive pass interference penalty in the fourth quarter. Without question, Alec Pierce has exceeded what I thought he would be doing. Um, I thought he could give you some of that ball stuff, but not to the extent that he's done it this early, and he's responded incredibly well from a, a huge drop on his first ever NFL target, and then having a concussion and missing week two. Um, and, and Campbell, you know, has been healthy so far. And, and unfortunately, you have to throw in that caveat so far. Um, but I just feel like the urgency with just what September means has never really been there under this regime. In a similar way, it was there this offseason in regards to the receiver position. Uh, you know, Desmond Patman and Mike Strong, you know, the, those guys, well, we saw those guys in week one and week two and, and they weren't ready and they weren't impactful for you. And unfortunately those are two golden missed opportunities with divisional games. And now you're digging yourself out of another hole. And I think that that contributed some of it would a veteran wideout, would of, you know, looking into some of the moves that you've seen in Amari Cooper help out Cleveland, or even a Robert Woods help out Tennessee those are the type of moves that I think could have really bolstered your group, help continue to grow guys like Pearson Campbell, and not be overly reliant on them so early in the season.
0: Hey, Kev, Before I move on to the Pacers and their opener against Washington later on tonight, Deion Jackson I mentioned is going to join me in the five o'clock hour. Do you think that he has, with the injuries, and I know these guys are or maybe coming back, Naheem Hines and and Jonathan Taylor, has he earned a snap or two opportunity, even if they do return this weekend?
5: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, again, going back to like Frank Reich's past precedent, he hasn't really involved the third running back very often. Um, and I understand the thinking there. I mean, Jonathan Taylor deserves a whole lot of looks. And as long as Naheem Hines can catch the football, I mean, he should be able to do what Deion Jackson did. Like, I mean, Deion Jackson made some nice plays on, on Sunday. Like, I don't want to deny that. He, I think he caught all 10 targets. All of that is great. But, like, I would hope Naeem Hines could do that, too, if asked. And I think he would have been asked to do that had he been healthy. I think the game plan was very much of a, you know, this is going to be the approach. And, you know, for a while there, it looked like Hines might play in the game on Sunday. So, you know, maybe Jackson deserves a little bit of a look. But just kind of the nature of the position at times, I just feel like, it's a pretty replaceable spot and there are some Deion Jackson moments from a lot of guys around the league. Yeah. Um, obviously Hines, you know, hasn't produced, but I don't know if they've maybe asked him to produce to the level that they utilize Jackson when you're throwing it 58 times on a Sunday and you're running back or your you know top ball carrier is going to be asked to do a whole lot. So, um, I, again, I don't, I'll be curious certainly to see how those three, are um, utilized within an offensive game plan. They all practiced today. Hines was full, was not wearing a no-contact a, a no jersey, so I would assume he's good to go. Uh, but I don't think there's maybe a desperate need to say, you know, here's a dozen touches for Deion Jackson.
0: So Kevin Bone with us. Before I let you go, the Pacers home opener, the Pacers opener in general this season coming up tonight at Field Fieldhouse, and there is certainly um, a lot of interest going on because there is so much new and so much fresh. Uh, how do you think this thing is going to go? And I've asked my audience a number of times, will you hang with this reboot? And they have said yes. How long might it take for this new and fresh feeling to wear off if they consistently more times than not have a struggle in this early NBA schedule.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's certainly going to take a, a different approach from anybody watching the Pacers. I mean, no one is used to the franchise being so well, public, a even private, I guess about, you know, what this season's going to look like of the win, loss over under all of that. Um, And I would agree. I mean, there's probably like 0.1% of the fan base that watched Malcolm Brogdon last night. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd love if Malcolm Brogdon (laughs) was on this team. And the Pacers would have ran it back with, you know, DJ Warren will recover from that foot or Turner and Sabonis, yay. Um, I I think they are very accepting of it. I think the key things they need to see this season is a commitment to the youth, a commitment to playing them, uh, growing them, individual, um, you know, growth some pieces starting to be put into place of it's not Jeff Halliburton. There's more around him of, okay, Jalen Smith wasn't just a 20-game, you know, fluke on a 20-win team late last year. Okay, Matherin continues to look like a really, really legit player. Um, and I also feel like those end the game moments from last year's team, I mean, it's not like I – mean, definitely, there are nights where they got just blown out of the building, but they also were in a lot of games in the fourth quarter. I think it's important to maintain that because, you know, at some point you do have to flip that switch. And a guy like Halliburton, who he's your lead guy right now, you know, he hasn't won very much in the NBA, really none at all. It's like he was a big-time winner in college. And I don't want to sound like I'm ripping the guy, but, you know, he, I think, needs to feel some of what it's like in the game moments to make the plays on winning teams. I think that's an important balance to try and find. It's not the end-all, be-all but I do think that's important. Uh, But I I really think you will have fans that will be patient and, and you will still have a section of the fan base that will complain about wins and say, screw that. You know, I want as high as percentage possible to get that number one overall pick. Uh, But I, I, I feel like the feeling you, you have going in tonight from the fan base. I, I mean, unless it's just like, you know, you win 10 or 12 games and, your young guys just look like busts. I, I I really think it'll stay there for quite some time.
0: Yeah, it's um, it, it's new and it's fresh, but I, I I've reminded people that it's going to be, you know, moments that aren't always related to winning or equate to winning that you're going to have to find embraceable because I I get like, everybody. Like I was talking to people last night. I was playing hoop last night, and they were saying, "Hey, what do you think?" You think the Pacers, can they squeeze into maybe at least making a run at the postseason? I'm saying, you know, don't even worry about that. Just worry about the fact that you're going to probably have to embrace um, a lot of what you really would, not some non-winning stuff to get through this because essentially uh, the winning uh, to what people would really like to see it's uh, just not going to be there this year, I don't think, unless we're just absolutely sideswiped by uh, a young group that uh, that plays well, well, well over what we thought.
5: Yeah, there's going to be uh, some necessary celebrations for Aaron D. Smith scoring 16 points <laughs> three out of four nights. You know, I'm ready. In, I'm in ready for like that celebration. January, like, yeah, <laughs> and I, I get it. That's kind of hard to admit. But those are some of the areas and the strides that y- you will need to see and hope to see. And, and obviously at some point, John, you know, probably not so closer to the new year and into February and the deadline is there. But then you're going to have those questions come up about, okay, what about Buddy Heald? What about Miles Turner? You know, Daniel Tyson isn't even playing tonight. Is he, like, sitting out because they're just going to trade him at any point? Like, kind of been an odd situation here um, with, with, with him. Um, but – I know it sounds good in mid-October. I, I'd like to think that the overwhelming majority of Pacers fans that I've heard from seem to be totally content with the plan and very accepting of it. You will need to see some strides in that direction, but I don't think they will be a throw-in-the-towel moment unless, again, just Matherin looks horrific and you know they win eight games or ten games or something just god-awful.
0: I can't imagine the Lakers don't decide because you know rob palenka at some point is is going to feel like he may feel like that right now and probably should that he's going to be in trouble if you watch them last night and then look at their roster have, have you looked at their bench the lakers bench it is I, incredible I,
5: I, as you know john i'm a diehard notre dame basketball fan matt ryan yeah and this is not the quarterback matt ryan um, the white shooter for the Lakers, who went to several colleges, Matt Ryan, including Notre Dame, he couldn't get on the floor in South Bend. Mike, break and find a role for you if you can put the ball in the bucket, and he couldn't play there. And now, all of a sudden, I would consider him a critical piece to the Lakers doing whatever they think they can do this season. From a Six, second
0: out. most minutes off the bench last night to Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, Ryan had 18 minutes off the bench. That it, that. And if you're looking at their bench, and really, if you're looking, they have three dudes and Beverly and Walker. There is no way they're not making some sort of substantial deal. There's no way they're not going to move off their position of not wanting to give up another number one. No way.
5: Right. And you would think, I mean, the Pacers obviously will be sitting there waiting for them at that point. And, you know, I think it's probably smart for the Pacers to see who else enters the desperation category because – You know, you get to early February and teams that maybe thought they weren't going to be there are now there or injuries happen and maybe what you thought, you know, the Lakers are going to offer you, maybe you're now looking at two or three trade packages that look a whole lot different. And then honestly, and, and I know we're up against it, John, but and this obviously plays right into you, but I am very curious to see what we see from Turner in just the alone minutes at the five, a huge contract year for a guy that's never hit, Free agency. He's battled injuries each of the last two years. He's playing with the ideal pass-first point guard. All of those things. I'm very, very interested. 18
0: and 11 that. until the All-Star break. What do you think?
5: Averages. Oh boy. 18 and 11. Yeah, 11. 11 <laughs> seems a little rich. So does 18. I'll go. Uh, I'll go 15 and uh, eight. <laughs> I'm. I'm.
0: Hey. I'm living large. 18 and 11. And I want everybody bringing it to me. Yeah, I'm going to listen. I have, I've hung in here the entirety of the time. I'm going to hang in to the bitter you end. Have,
5: yeah, have. I'm hanging in. You have, you have lived and died. Honestly, Mr. Turner should invite you to a game with, uh, with, with how you've hung in there. And I, uh, it's kind of been a Pacers ritual for me. Usually at the end of games, uh, depending on how Turner plays, I sometimes like to scroll through JMB's mentions. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll have
2: to start that that's back good. up
5: tonight.
0: Yeah, a lot of fat dudes in there telling me how much I suck and how much he sucks and stuff. I'm thinking, all right, yeah, yeah that's a good idea. He would stuff you in a trash can in five minutes there, nerd. So, <laughs> no, honestly, I will go to the end with it. You know, we've been here this long. We might as well play it out to the end. So, what we're going to do. All right, Kev, I appreciate you more than you know. Uh, enjoy the game later on tonight, and uh, I'm sure you guys will be yakking it up. And you're getting ready to get a European vacation from your colleague in the morning, too, aren't I you? I know.
5: European Jake. I know. Boy, I can only imagine all the different European soaps he's going to buy when he's over there and make sure he comes back smelling all fresh and everything. Yeah, he's heading out. Gosh, I want to say, is it the end of next week? The, do they, they know, have spray, spray tanners? They that? have
0: spray tanners in Barcelona?
5: Boy, I had to. Yeah, maybe fly so so. over yeah. to Ibiza and check that out. Yeah, he's going to have to make sure he gets a nice coat on before he heads over.
0: <laughs> take it easy, buddy. Appreciate you. All right, see you, John. It's a moment on the Anymore More Automotive Group hotline. Let me take a break, and we'll come back. Dion Jackson to the Colts in the five o'clock hour inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Coming up next, I'm going to send somebody. Not send you. I guess you're going to have to send yourself. But I do have a couple of passes for you to invade. A Titans tailgate coming up on Sunday down in Nashville. I'll explain further and give somebody a chance to win coming up on the other side. 93.5 and 107.5 The
1: Fan. The Ride with JMV.
0: Don't read your email because I'm really butthurt when you read your email. Ah.
1: 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: Cambridge Fieldhouse, the start of the Pacers season tonight. 6.30, your coverage begins right here. The Pacers opener, they host the Wizards of Washington. Bradley Beal, Christoph Porzingis. Isn't uh, Monte Morris? Monte Morris had been a big part of what the Nuggets have done in the past. Isn't Monte Morris the point guard? Now with the Wizards? Am I dreaming? Leah Brown saying, I'm dreaming inside the lounge via YouTube Live about miles. You know, again, if I'm going to go out, I might as well go out big here. All right? That is the thought process. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, Monte
3: Morris, Bradley Beal, Will Barton, Kyle Kuzma, and poor Zingas. Poor Zingas always seems to really put it to the Pacers. And. Somebody in particular.
0: (laughs) Not as much as Embiid. (laughs) I think there's one time, and I have this, I think, in my collection of greatness right there. There's one time when Miles, I think, went off against Philly. I don't remember. It might have been a game in which Embiid wasn't playing. Whatever the case. Hachimura, Kispert, a couple of former Zags of Gonzaga, part of that team. I think Daniel Gafford. Trying to reintroduce a lot of you to some of the new and freshness of other rosters just beyond the Pacers coming up later on tonight. Enjoy your time. Uh, Sean writes this, Benedict Matherin needs to start. Your thoughts, if it doesn't happen now, it'll be relatively soon. I wouldn't worry about it. So I guess my thoughts, I wouldn't worry about it. He's going to have ups and downs. Again, this team, you're going to watch them. And they're going to be nights when you're going to get all excited. Maybe tonight they may come out and look fantastic at home and be juiced. And you're going to go, hey, you know what? Everybody's been talking about this team not being very good. They've been wrong. Then are going to be nights when you watch them and you're going to go, oh, my goodness, this thing is not on track to do anything. So you probably have to keep yourself a little even keel if you're a Pacers fan. Yeah, I saw this from George Brimmer and the injury report. Uh, There's a new one on there. I didn't know that um, Kylan Granson was injured. On that injury report today is Granson limited in time in his participation uh, with a neck situation. But Shaquille Leonard was back. Jonathan Taylor was back. Naheem Hines was back. And our guest in the 5 o'clock hour, Dion Jackson, was back for that matchup in Tennessee. All right, I'm going to try this and see how it works. This would work out better if you already have tickets. So if you're already going to Nashville on Sunday to watch the Colts, this would work out better. But again, if you're not and you just want to go down to hang, maybe try to score some tickets, and maybe be a part of something fun, here's what I have for you. My friends at bullseyeeventgroup.com, I talked to Kyle Kinnett a little bit earlier today, and he said, hey, um, there is a VIP tailgate that is that of the Titans down in Nashville, right? I think it's called the Bridge Building. Does that make sense to anybody? There's a river right there, so a bridge building would make sense. But it is just an absolute fantastic tailgate. Pretty much a lot of what you see here is what you would see down there. So what we want you to do is we want you to invade the Titans' tailgate. So we'll try number nine or maybe even somebody, probably even better, if we find somebody right now that's already going and would have intentions on taking these passes and using them at this VIP tailgate in Nashville on Sunday morning, 10 a.m., or I should say, I guess, 10 a.m., whatever Nashville 10 a.m. time is. Is it the same as Nashville on our time? I think Nashville Central time. Uh, I I couldn't remember if they were saying I think you're right. I think they are Central. Uh, Doors open um, two hours before basically – no, three hours before the kick. So plan accordingly. If you're going and you want passes – and you want to invade this Titans tailgate, 239-1070. Kyle's going to pick somebody right now to get those passes, and again, we'll set you up for Sunday, especially if you're already going. All right, 239-1070. Kyle's going to grab a caller right now. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back because of the top of the hour. Colts running back Deion Jackson will be here as well. Tomorrow, the Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul tequila shots. We're going to be at Coach's Tavern downtown coming up tomorrow. Would love to see you there. Me and Brent Halverson, and Tommy S. and everybody tomorrow for our Larcity Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Then on Friday, I've got tickets for that Commander's game for you. And we're going to be at Ale Emporium in Castleton coming up on Friday. Bud Light Blue Friday at the Ale Emporium in Castleton. A couple of times when I'd love to see you guys out Thursday and Friday with us. Quick break and we're back after this. 93.5 and 107.5
1: The Fan the ride with jmv smoky this is not nom this is bowling there are rules A- 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
0: larcity bourbon locks luna azul tequila shots coming up tomorrow coaches downtown tommy sutton in the house tomorrow me brent halverson week seven uh the nfl starts coming up tomorrow night our Larsity mm-hmm. bourbon locks and luna azul tequila shots and um I heard that promo. Who is it that sings Tequila Makes Her Clothes Fall Off or Come Off or whatever like that? Who is that?
3: I don't know which country country singer it is. Oh, I'm not a country guy at all. I've heard the song. (laughs) I have no idea who sings it. Who's the
0: country person out there that knows this? Tequila Makes Her Clothes Fall Off or Come Off or – that sounds like a song I need to hear, I guess. Tequila Makes Her Clothes Fall Off. I had no idea that that song, I might be interested. And um, yeah, Luna's Azul Tequila coming up to my, my, my clothes will stay on (laughs) tomorrow. Joe Nichols, Joe Nichols or Nicholas Nichols. That's a part of uh, our sister station, Hank FM show coming up at eight second saloon which should be a heck of a good time. Nichols, everybody. I I need to enlighten myself, I guess, in some new-age country. I can give you some old-school stuff. I can. I can go back to the classic country days. I can go Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, Alabama, Oak Ridge Boys. I can give you some classic country. I... I have a hole in my game when it comes to modern-day country. Joe Nichols. Uh, That's a song. Thank you, everybody. You guys are good. Maybe I need to widen my game a little bit. I always think about being just great at trivia. But I think some of the modern-day stuff, I'd have like three different decades covered top to bottom. 70s, 80s, and 90s, I'd have everybody covered. But there is a hole in my game. The younger and or most, most recent that it is is probably detrimental. I'd have to find somebody if I were on a trivia team to be able to cover that. And then, you know, obviously the smarter stuff. Bro country, is that what it's called? I like most of it. Some of it is too pop. Bro, is that what uh, Florida, Georgia line known as Bro Country? They're not even together anymore, are they, those two guys? Yeah, they broke up. But yeah, oh, I'd say they're Bro Country. Bro Country. Is uh, Brantley Gilbert Bro Country? I met him once. He was a pretty nice guy.
3: Say, I have, I have no idea who that is.
0: Brantley Gilbert. He was at the something at the track. I think it was with the uh, Brickyard. Brantley Gilbert. Seemed like a nice enough guy. I think he came on. I don't know why we were doing a show out there, I guess, when we did shows uh for the pre pre race wise uh back then for the brickyard. Robbie B says that song is old. It's two thousand and five. Is it really? Where have I been? Hey, just a second. Deion Jackson, running back of the Colts, is going to join us. I'm going to give somebody else another chance at passes to invade the Titans VIP tailgate coming up on Sunday. If you're going down to the game, this would greatly benefit you. Got a couple of winners so far. Got more still to come. Going to give you the opportunity to go again and actually going to give you the opportunity coming up tomorrow to do it, too. Yeah, No question. We'll do that coming up. So listen to win if you want to go. Actually, if you're already going down to Nashville coming up on Sunday, I am going to set you up with a pre-gamer that you'll love with bullseyeeventgroup.com. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, you have seen him play running back the past couple of Colts games and play really well. Let's uh, introduce everybody and find out a little bit more about Colts running back Dion Jackson, who joins us again via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Dion, thank you for the time. How are you doing?
2: Hey, no problem, man. I'm, I'm doing good. How are you?
0: Fantastic and fantastically done the last two weeks. Before we get into
2: it, how's the quad? Hey, I'm I'm doing good. Um, I was out there at practice today, full go, so everything's going well.
0: You like me? Did you just slam some Biofreeze on it and just start moving <laughs> around again.
2: <laughs> uh, something like that, a little tiger bomb, you know, get going. Wait a minute,
0: wait, wait, wait. Are you a tiger bomb guy? Are you?
2: Uh, yeah, I, w- I would say so. I guess so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I listen. I'll uh, and I know you can't, but I'll rub anything, anything
2: on me to feel better. You know what I mean, in, yeah. uh, I'll,
0: I'll bathe, rub, put on, apply, whatever to make
2: nah, myself really, feel. Yeah, I'm a big Epsom salt bath guy, too.
0: Are you really? Do you have a hot yeah. tub at home?
2: I kind of got a big tub in my bathroom. So, I mean, something like that.
0: See, we hear that all the time. I uh, There's uh, an advertiser we have called Royal Spa, and I have a Royal Spa. And uh, the owner, Bob, talks about taking uh, Epsom salt baths in your hot tub. And ha- what's that do for your body?
2: I've never done um, it. Honestly, I mean, it just it kind of like brings my legs back. Um, makes me makes me feel a little bit uh, fresher. Like I I usually do it in the afternoon or something like that, like before I go to sleep. And then I mean, when I wake up, I feel I feel a lot better. So,
0: see, I do stuff you probably can't do. So that's, <laughs> that's I mean, and that's understandable, right there. But it's yeah, it's all about recovery. And and then it, I mean, it's all about recovery time because you don't have a lot of time. You got to get back right in it and how did you feel coming off that thursday game and that extended week when you played this past sunday did you feel feel pretty good starting the game
2: um yeah actually i i, I felt really good um that time that time off that we had from the thursday game really, really helped out a lot um you know, i had a lot of time to um just take care of my body you know get some some prehab things kind of worked out and everything like that so i mean that was good for me um, you know, it had been a while since I played, what 50 or whatever snaps. It's yeah. been a couple of years, so you know, I kind of I kind of felt those plays. But um, you yeah, know, going into the uh, last game, I, I felt really good. Now it was
0: different in Denver, certainly on that Thursday night for you, and we can get back to that in a second. But how did you feel? Because not only you're talking about not playing that level of significant snaps in a while, but you were playing this this past Sunday against Jacksonville here at Lucas Oil Stadium in the no huddle. How did that do? It was was it was it somewhat exhausting? Because I know Michael Pittman Jr., a teammate, mentioned how exhausted he was after the game. How, how different is that than what you experienced in that Denver game?
2: Um yeah, for sure. Um that was definitely a a different uh switch up. Um something I mean, it's kind of something that I I did a little bit in college, but it had, that was early on like my sophomore year, it had been a while. So, I mean, making that switch from the the Denver game to uh, Jacksonville going no huddle um, it was definitely kind of strenuous in practice. Um that was um that was something that was big for us going no huddle in practice and everything like that trying to get used to it. So I mean going into the game, definitely a different beast. Um definitely exhausting. You no know, Pitt played more plays than me, but I <laughs> I still felt it though. Yeah, I I
0: was um Did you know over the week during practice because your your head coach Frank Rackett mentioned they you guys were all in on that early in the week in leading up to that Jacksonville game. Could you see it all cohesion-wise, Dion coming together as you went along during the week of practice last week?
2: Um yeah, for sure. Um you know, we uh, going in. We kind of, we kind of knew we were going to start the week off with that. Um, I mean, I just feel like uh, as as time went along, I mean, as practice went along, we kind of we got used to it. Um, we got used to the operation and everything like that, and it started to work out pretty smooth. Um, so we knew it was definitely going to be something that we can use in the game, and um, feel like it worked to our advantage.
0: So Deion Jackson of the Colts joining us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. When you've got that really significant first playing time in that Denver game. Did it take you a minute to dial yourself down, or were you kind of running off those those extra juices you got by being in that position?
2: Um, I feel like I was just running off of those extra juices. Um, I'm, I don't think I really had uh, too much time, to, you know, try and calm myself down or dial myself down or anything like that. Like, um, you know, Naheem's, Naheem's uh, injury kind of happened sporadically. Like, it, it happened yeah. out of nowhere. So kind of was just thrust into it, and I didn't really have a chance to you know, process anything or anything like that was just kind of in the fire. And I just had to, I just had to get out there and go.
0: Was it kind of an oh crap moment for you? Oh crap. Here I am. Or was it like, Hey, (laughs) this, this is what I have practiced. This is what I played for. This is, this is my moment. How'd you feel when you first knew that you were up and here you
2: go? Um, I say a mix of both. Um, Yeah, I would definitely say a mix of both. Um, When it happened, I definitely was like, "Oh crap," but then I like, I knew, I knew once, like when I ran in there, I knew I was ready. I knew I was, um, I was ready to get the job done, whatever was asked of me.
0: It's uh, Dia uh, Jackson. He is with us. Uh, so I, I'm assuming. How, how did you feel from the Denver game to the Jacksonville game? Even with you know the experience of practicing for that no huddle, mm-hmm. which was completely different, did you feel like you had just a, a different level of confidence than you had when you were on the spot and had to enter the game as you did on that Thursday night in Denver?
2: definitely uh for sure I I definitely feel like I went into the, the Jacksonville game with a lot more confidence um just based off of um the game before um yeah I mean going into, I was definitely confident uh, for the Jacksonville game I didn't really I wasn't really nervous or anything like that um I mean I had some emotions and stuff like that just because it was my first start but as far as going out there and executing I didn't have any worries or anything like that
0: All right when you scored that touchdown on Sunday is that with that spike what you had in mind, or was that just uh, kind of living in the moment there?
2: Nah, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of, I kind of told myself the night before. I was like, if I run somebody over for you know, and I score, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spike the ball as hard as I can.
0: Who was that you ran over, by the way, right there? You kind of tattooed somebody there. that Tried <laughs> to, to block your path. How many times oh, man. have you watched that run?
2: literally probably at least 100 i love it <laughs> literally probably a hundred
0: it should be playing on like a loop on a tv when you walk in your place honestly <laughs> because i mean it was it seemed like it was one of those moments in the nfl which i'm sure happens often uh, it's either you or me and it's going to be me in this uh, that, hole as we meet right was, here right that
2: was definitely my mindset that was definitely how i was thinking i said we're going to meet each other at the goal line. I said, either you're going to win or I'm going to win. I said, I, I like myself. Uh, did you get the ball back, by the way? No, I didn't. Holy crap. What happened to it? I mean, when I spiked it, it flew It flew like five rows into the stands. Um, I think they got the ball back, but I don't have it, though. I, I
0: think they did. Now that I remember, I went back and watched that play again, and I think that they did get it back. So it's got to be floating around there somewhere.
2: It's somewhere. I don't know where it is. It's somewhere. Did you have an?
0: Did you have intentions on keeping it?
2: Not really. No. Nah. Cool. I have, yeah, I have my first touchdown ball from last season. When yeah. I Scored versus the Texans. I have that ball. But honestly, I didn't even think anything about keeping that ball until after the game. And my mom was like, "Did you keep the ball?" And I was like, "Oh man, no. I didn't even think about that." So Dean
0: Jackson of the Colts, the running backs on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. When you're coming out of camp, how would you feel about your chances? And then um, you always have to be ready. Is it different for you than some of your other teammates in terms of you're, you're playing special teams? There's no doubt. So Sorry, always up for that. But you also yeah. have to stay ready to play that position in case you're thrust into it, as you were in Denver on that Thursday night. How How do you keep yourself ready for whatever might happen, given your situation?
2: Um, honestly, JT and Naheem, um, literally since I got here last year, um, once I got activated last year and I was, um, on the active roster, literally they used to tell me consistently, like, look, you got, you got to be ready. You got to lock in on this, 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 like you're, you're literally two plays away from having to be the guy out here, having to be the lead back. And unfortunately, I mean, the past couple of weeks, that's just what happened. So, um, I give credit to them. They've definitely helped me, uh, prepare like a starter since I've gotten here and, um, hopefully I say, I hopefully I'm putting those results out on the field.
0: Well, they're both really good dudes for one. Is there anything, for sure. anything that that comes to mind immediately advice wise that they have given you that you've actually taken to the field when you've gotten this significantly more playing time in the past two weeks and it's worked for you anything out of either one?
2: Um, it's just, it's just little like details that they point out. Um, just little small things that they point out, like as like watching film and stuff like that. Just little things that they point out about uh, a certain player's like demeanor or certain uh, attributes or characteristics. And you know, like I listen, I listen to pretty much everything that they tell me, just because of the experience that they have. Um, you know, they're they're experienced playmakers out here. They're experienced in this offense. So any advice, anything that they tell me, I listen to, cause um I know that they know what they're doing. Um, they're two of the best.
0: All right, uh, Deion Jackson joins us because we have incredible reach on this afternoon show here in Indianapolis. I have an update for you on the spike football. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is from Jeff Sutton. He says, the spike ball hit my wife in the hands. She, <laughs> she missed, but the staff took the ball back onto the field. So it does, as you mentioned, have to be somewhere. So his, I guess his wife had the opportunity to get it, but uh, didn't quite cash it in.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I seen. I think I seen um, one of the, uh, the dudes on the field like waving to try and get the ball back. So yeah, I think I did see that. I might have to try and find it. Um, the
0: Angry Run Scepter Award from Kyle Brand on NFL Network. Yeah. Were you honored to receive that? Pretty fired I- up for it.
2: Definitely, I was definitely um, I was definitely happy to receive that. That was literally the first thing that I saw when I woke up yesterday morning. Um, so I was I was definitely happy about that, especially because I seen JT win that last year. So for me to win it this year and bring it back to the room is definitely an honor. That's awesome, right there too. Yeah, and for t- sure.
0: that that run that run like when the Colts have a highlight, basically for the rest of the season. Now that run is probably going to be <laughs> on most of them right there.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely definitely happy about that. Um, yeah, that was that was definitely a proud moment for sure. Uh,
0: running back wise, and then special teams. Um, you enjoy special teams, and then you, what do you feel about yourself as a special teams player, Dion?
2: Honestly, special teams is something that I like. I learned to love. Um, I never I never had really any experience playing special teams or anything like that before I got to the NFL. You know, um, in college, I mean, the only thing that I did in college was like return kickoffs. So um, special teams was definitely, definitely something that I had to get used to. But honestly I, I I like special teams a lot. Um feel like I'm i I'm still getting better but I'm I'm way more developed as a special teams player than I was last year. Um just blocking, getting my assignments and everything like that. So I think I, I think I have a lot of um a lot more value in special teams, um this year. Um uh, Yeah, so what's um
0: Bubba Ventrone is the noted special teams coach for you guys. What what is he what has he told Um, you both good and bad? What you can do better and then what you do at a high level right now with his special teams unit?
2: Um well for one, he's told me that I'm night and day from last year. Um he trusts me he trusts me on every unit now. Um he has a lot of belief in my abilities. Um the only thing I mean he's looking for uh, out of me is just just keep being consistent. Um, just show consistency every week. Um, show up every week and get my job done.
0: So does that make you think about that? So you didn't trust me last year with every. <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, nah, maybe a little, bit. Maybe a little so bit
0: wait a minute you didn't wait I love, so I when, love, I love. When, when were those moments when you didn't trust me last year I'm kind of curious when those were to look back on it it's Dion Jackson with us I, I, I was talking to Voice of the Colts Matt Taylor who's a friend of mine he was on a little bit earlier too and I guess you guys had a conversation earlier today you get an interesting background in and around Atlanta in high school at the Pace Academy and I, I looked this up there are some um, professional athletes that can Came yeah. Out of of your high yeah, school back sure. in the day,
2: yeah, for sure. Some of, some of my close friends, man, some of my close friends.
0: How how um how good was the high school football team back when you were there?
2: Um, we were pretty good. Um, our best year, I say, my junior year. That was the year we won state. Um, from from that team, from my junior year team, it's actually four of us that are in the NFL right now. So it's me, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle for the Giants. Um, Jamari Sellier, he's a rookie this year on the Chargers. He's right. actually playing left tackle right now. Oh, he
0: was playing on Monday night a bunch.
2: Yeah, for sure. And then our kicker, actually, Samuel Sloman, I think he just got signed by the 49ers or something like that. Like, So I think he's back in the league again. Now, so I think it's, it's, he has four of us right now.
0: Is that high school known in the Atlanta area for uh, for pumping out, you know, professional athletes, high-level collegiate athletes too?
2: Actually, not really. Like, when I got there, I think the football program had literally just started – five years prior to me getting to the school like yeah five years prior to my freshman year I think they started varsity football in 2008 or 2009 and my freshman year was 2013 so I mean it was a fairly new program we kind of just turned it up real fast
1: that, uh,
0: again Deion Jackson's on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline so why was it Duke for you did you have other options when you came out of the Pace Academy, or was it Duke all along? What was what was uh, your mindset going into college out of high school?
2: Um, I mean, my final two, uh, my final two schools that I decided from were Duke and Notre Dame. Um, I mean, I had I had a good amount of offers. I had a lot of offers. I don't lie. Um, but my final two was Duke and Notre Dame. I had actually committed to Duke before my senior season. Um, Notre Dame had been recruiting me all along, but then when they switched and uh, they got a new staff, then the new staff offered me and. Um, you know, they were trying to flip me from Duke. Um, I've just, I just felt loyal loyal to Duke. Um, you know, Duke's offense was pretty kind of similar to what I ran in high school. So it was something that I was going to be comfortable in. Then I knew coming in, I had a chance to be able to play early and not have the red shirt. So, um, plus the education, I mean, you can't beat that top tier education, one of the top schools in the country. So, getting, and then also playing powerful football. So, getting the best of both worlds is definitely something that appealed to me and my family. So, um, uh
0: helped me make the choice clearly academics were incredibly important to you dion what what give me back in high school because i mean you got football and you got training and you got weightlifting and all that going on and then you had your academics what, what how did how much of that night day and night every single day back in your high school did that eat up how many how many hours a night
2: um Honestly, I tried to get a lot of my work done during school. Like, since I went to a private school, like, the way our schedule and stuff was set up, we would have, like, free periods where we didn't have classes. So, some days I would have one or two free periods where I don't have a class. So, I would just go to the Academic Resource Center, kind of do my work and try and get that done before I have to go home because I knew I was going to get home kind of later. So, honestly, I got a lot of my work done during school, but there's definitely a lot of days where it'll have me up to 11 or so at night getting work done or getting some reading done or something like that for school for the next day.
0: He's a Dion Jackson of the Colts. You've seen him especially uh, be active and uh, certainly with great results in the past two games in Denver and then at home against Jacksonville this past weekend. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'm assuming being from Atlanta, you were a Falcons fan growing up. Um, was it surreal the first time you were on the field with Matt Ryan?
2: Um, yeah, definitely, definitely kind of a, a, a jaw-dropping experience, I would say. Um, kind of funny, like the first day we reported. Uh, well, it was actually the day we reported, the day before we reported back for OTAs. I kind of pulled up to the facility just to kind of get some things straightened in my locker, and it was a it was a truck sitting out here in the parking lot. It was only him and I had. Park next to I parked next to the truck, not realizing who was in it. And then I looked and I was like, Oh, that's Matt. I was like, That's Matt Ryan. So and then the first thing we talked about was um, him being the, guest, the the commencement speaker at my graduation. So it was kind of funny. <laughs> Do you remember what his subject was? Honestly, I really don't. To be honest, <laughs> I, like for the most part, people, like all of all of us were like in the crowd and we were like, Dude, that's Matt Ryan. Like we were hardly paying attention to what he was saying. We were kind of all in shock.
0: Yeah, I'm assuming too, because you know we we were had Peyton Manning around here for so many years. There's probably mm-hmm. a similar feeling to what uh, the Atlanta folks felt about Matt Ryan, to what most people felt about Peyton Manning over the Manning years here.
2: Yeah, I, I, I would probably say that's a that's a similar that's some pretty similar feeling. Yeah, uh,
0: is it safe to say that one of as a fan back in the day, one of your not so good days was that Super Bowl, that second half of that Super Bowl with the Falcons and the Patriots?
2: That was like that was a disappointing like after that that was a disappointing day in in the city I'm not gonna lie like the 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 aura around school after that like everybody was down everybody was upset because we actually like I think that Friday before the Super Bowl like whatever the day the last day of school was before that Super Bowl I know we got the day off of school like we were on the news for that and all of that so I mean it was kind of wild um, you know. I th- that was part of that was that was part of the subject that he uh, that he talked about during our speech. Actually, now that I think about it, because that was that same year.
0: Yeah, that um, that
2: kind of probably
0: as a fan makes you want to turn the lights out and not turn them back on for a while, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's how certainly bad that was. It's Dion Jackson and the Colts with us. Do you know? I know it's early. It's Wednesday. A lot of things have to happen, but do you know what? part of the game plan that you may be in coming up on Sunday at all or have you yet to go over that?
2: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, whenever my number's called, I'm just going to be ready to go in there and um, go in there and produce and go in there and do my part. So when whatever part that may be, that, that's what it is. You know,
0: and one thing, too, you, you, there wasn't a great deal of, of offensive – consistency and cohesion leading up to going to that no huddle did did you see a difference from that no huddle and some of the different things you guys worked on practiced on offensively did you see that come to life against Jacksonville and that stuff that you think you can take away and be more efficient further down the road using it
2: uh yeah for sure um definitely um the most important thing I mean is just having that sense of urgency and everybody being on the same page I feel like with the no-huddle, we kind of all had to be on the same page in order to get everything done. So I feel like that was that was really good for us. It's Definitely something that we can um, that we can keep going and continue with. All
0: right. When you scored that touchdown and you got the uh, angry run scepter and all that, did you hear from a lot of
2: people? <laughs> yeah, I did. I definitely heard from a lot of people. Um, a lot of friends, a lot of family, a lot of people telling me that I, I single-handedly won their their fantasy uh, fantasy uh, matchup for the week. I got a lot of that. <laughs> See a lot of a lot of players don't dig on the the like. If I
0: were to ask Naheem that, he'd go, "What are you talking about here?" But you, you, <laughs> do, you, do you embrace that the the fantasy talk from fans? I'm sure uh-huh. you've heard from them, right?
2: No, nah, yeah, I definitely. I've definitely heard a lot from the fans. Like I may not respond, but I definitely read it though. <laughs> uh, like I used to, I used to play fantasy myself, so I kind of understand.
0: Would you um Would you put pick yourself? Would you put yourself on your own team if you had a fantasy team?
2: Uh. I mean, yeah, if I'm going off for the past two weeks, I would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that
0: guy right there. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I do too, but I – like, I am. Uh, I'm around here, and people know me and probably frown upon this, but I'm a big wide receiver. I've got like 25 wide receivers in yeah. my fantasy team. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a big wide receiver after a wide receiver guy. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm hanging. Hey, excellent conversation. Congratulations on what you've accomplished, especially, you know, in the spotlight these past couple of weeks. And uh, here's hoping for more and the great results and great conversation. And hopefully we can do it again. Dion, thanks for stopping on the show.
2: Hey, no problem, man. Thank you for having me.
0: You got Dion Jackson right there, the Colts, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. That is a really good guy right there. I mean, really good guy. Outstanding conversation. I knew I knew we were going to have a good one with him. So I'd like to do it. You can go all over the map with stuff. And it it is really, to me, it's a difference maker when you don't know a great deal about the person in general, right? Man, he just kind of opened up. That was good. Deion Jackson of the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. All right, here's what I'm going to do for you right now, if you guys are thinking about it. Anybody going to Nashville on Sunday? I've got the opportunity for you to hit up the Titans VIP tailgate. You can invade the Titans VIP tailgate. Three hours, doors open before that start down in Nashville on Sunday. All you can eat, all you can drink. You can be a part of it. If you're going to the game especially, if you're going on Sunday and you'd like to go to this Titans VIP tailgate, you want to invade the Titans space on Sunday? Call 239-1070 right now with my friend Kyle Cadet and bullseyeeventgroup.com, and uh, Kyle's going to set somebody up, especially if you're going down there on Sunday. 239-1070 will set somebody up with passes. Now, again, these are not tickets to the game. They're just passes to that VIP tailgate before the game. 239 1070. Kyle, will get a winner. We'll come back with you on the other side next.
1: The Ride with JMV.
5: Collect them, trade them, or just enjoy them.
1: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: Hey, welcome back. Deion Jackson of the Colts Really Good podcast 1075thefan.com. <laughs> would you draft himself would you draft yourself yeah my favorite was the beginning right there most uncomfortable start to an interview ever according to Nick Martin <laughs> well apparently i can i i can do a lot of things that you can't that's so true though but he is not wrong Shout out to Bob, Bob Dapper, too, of uh, Royal Spa. I've got to try that Epsom salt thing. I've never tried that before. All I do is whine about my body aches this and my body hurts that. JMV, did you really just ask him if he just slapped some biofreeze on his quad? Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. I'm sure the training staff over there listening is going, what in the world? i tell you what BioFreeze does for me. Not only does it get me loose, that is my favorite. BioFreeze is my favorite right now. I'm not a Tiger Balm guy. And believe me, if there's somebody that is an authority on all of this, it is me. I am not a Tiger Balm guy. Here's what I believe sets BioFreeze apart. Not only will it get me loose, And sometimes if I put enough on, it will numb. But also, if you sniff it, have you guys sniffed it? If you it it will open up your nasal passages like nothing else. So I apply and I sniff. Seriously, try that sometime. Surely it's not a bad thing to do, right? I mean, apply and sniff is what I do. I... Sometimes I put uh a little bit right here on my nostril. Isn't that uh what
3: That's what Vicks vapor rub is for.
0: No, oh, I do that too. Yeah, I do that too. But you're, right now the clubhouse leader is uh Biofreeze. Um Indy chick, this is Sarah. I can't believe you've never soaked in Epsom salt. First of all, it's tough because I have a really There are like three or four words in my vocabulary. Well, really only three or four words in my vocabulary in general. But there are three or four words that I struggle in saying. Epsom would be one. I really have to concentrate or I'm going to blank it up. That and rule. R-U-R-A-L. I don't know if I could ever do, like, let's say, for example, if Real King ever wants to advertise with us, I, I would have to sit and practice for a while. Which is weird because I am a rural guy from a rural area, but I'd have to practice a great deal. Like if I'm Matt Bear downstairs doing traffic, if something happens like on Rural Street or Tenth and Rural, I try to. I would certainly probably keep that until last. Those are a couple that I don't like to mess with. And when you do this long enough, you do, you come up with the words, and you go, I'm really going to try to not say that. Matthew writes this. I absolutely love that dude. Yeah, Deion Jackson was good. And and a shout-out to Jeff Sutton as well, who had mentioned the ball when Deion Jackson scored and spiked it. He said the ball hit his wife in the hands, but she missed it on Sunday. But no Epsom salt for me yet. You guys are all telling me I need to try it. I just haven't yet. Hey, JMV, I saw Brantley Gilbert pre-COVID at Ruoff. His microphone is welded to brass knuckles. Had a very Kid Rock feel to it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I couldn't tell. I mean, he was just talking. He was just kind of a regular dude when we were doing an interview, I guess. seemed like a nice enough guy then. It's from Sean. You say you don't want Matherin to start. I didn't say I didn't want him to start. I just said it's not a big deal. Pacers open up later on tonight. And Benedict Matherin has been a guy that certainly a lot of people were excited about seeing. And Sean had asked me a little bit earlier, do you think he should start? And I said I really didn't care at this point. I don't think it's necessary either way still trying to learn about player development is it still possible for him to get maximum experience while coming off the bench because I want him to have as much experience as possible I just don't think that's a big deal right now experience he's going to get yeah no question I don't think you have to worry about it I guess Sean's what I'm saying thank you for listening Dunn in Evansville Mac writes this I love the conversation with Deion Jackson what a great dude he was really good and if you missed any of it, the podcast, 1075 com. JMV, I heard you talking about the paces a little bit earlier. So what is your prediction for the number of wins this year? If I, I think that you should be excited if they bust anywhere past 30.
3: Right? If they win more than 30 games, yeah. depending it's, on your perspective. You should go through the roof. So I'm that, thinking would,
0: probably 28, 27. Oh, I was going to say twenty-five, twenty-three.
3: 23.
0: Oh, you're saying even lower than their yeah, win total a yeah. year ago. Oh, yeah. There are going to be so many other teams tanking, though, and probably even more that we're going to see as the season goes along, won't that? But not in the East.
3: All, a lot of those teams are in the West.
0: What Charlotte is one. I Charlotte's definitely not it. trying
3: to tank. Charlotte's not trying to tank? I don't think, no. I think the Hollander only team that tank. is uh expected to be very bad this year in the East is the Pacers. Maybe Orlando. Yeah, I thought uh I thought for sure
0: that the Hornets were in tank mode right now. But you say no, huh?
3: Now with the young guy in LaMelo and you got Gordon Hayward still there. I can't, I can't think of, you got Rozier still there, right?
0: Yeah. There's certainly more teams there that, um, cause I mean, you're going to, the, the Pistons are going to try, you know, legitimately. I'm you sure would think, yeah. Punch into the post season at the tail end. You know, Cavaliers is supposed to be at the top with Donovan Mitchell. See about the bulls. The bulls know Zach Levine tonight and.
3: But they have DeRozan. They're yeah, not going to try have, to tank. They're not trying to do it. Uh, the Hawks aren't trying to do it. The Knicks, maybe. I don't think the Knicks are trying to tank. Uh,
0: the Wizards may end up in that mode at some point. Yeah, we'll see we'll with Bradley see. Beal's health. Yeah. So, Raptors? No. I don't think so. I don't know. 23, I, I don't think people would dig on 23. Don't you j- at least have to get one past?
3: Well, if your goal to is, is uh, of a year ago? best odds for Wimbanyama, yeah. then uh, you'd be happy with 23. Yeah, but you if you're yeah. wanting to see a little bit more just winning, yeah. then you'd be upset.
0: How do you find that delicate balance between improving on players and then still keeping yourself with the best options of you know, drafting and what people believe to be one of the better classes that we have seen in a while that's tough because you're trying to appease both sides and both sides are not mutually exclusive
3: in this case it's tough I think it's good you have some young leaders that are your best players on the team like I'd say Halliburton's your leader but he's also your best player and I think it is good to have maybe a few like T.J. McConnell's a good veteran guy who kind of so those young guys don't get too sideways when you're losing 14 out of 20 games. Game one is later on tonight. 6.30 is your pregame coverage
0: right here. Get the Wizards and the Pacers. This is like first of three. They open up a three at home. Uh, Wizards tonight. Spurs in tank mode coming up on Friday. And then the Pistons and Jaden Ivey in town coming up on Saturday. Then I think they embark on a road trip that goes about five games deep after that. But the first three at home to start the season. We'll have full discussion for you coming up tomorrow. We'll tell you about tomorrow, too, on the road at Coaches Tavern downtown. Large City Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots week seven of the NFL. Then Friday is going to be a humdinger as well. I'll tell you when and where and what it's all about coming up next. Final time for this show on a Wednesday, one. 107.5 the fan
1: the ride with jmv coming up our conversation 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
0: thanks to everybody inside the lounge via youtube live today another outstanding day from you guys appreciate it tyler scanlon the winner of the harris hoosier park race of the day he's going to get 50 50 in bedding and dining from harris hoosier park racing and casino in anderson it was Sullenberger. The win paid out $44.60. The place $17 showed at $480. Better Way to Rock placed at $540. Showed at $5. Out to Get Lucky showed at $3. That $2 exact to pay out $294.60. And the 50 cent trifecta payout a robust $397.80. There it is every Wednesday and Thursday, right here in the 5 o'clock hour. The Harris Hoosier Park race of the day. All right. I am going to have to go over coming up on the other side. About five minutes or so. So we can do a little anything goes if you guys want to do a little anything goes. It's up to you. We can do a little anything goes coming up on the other side. We haven't done that in forever. And since we're going to go a little bit of extra time because of the Pacer pregame at six thirty, if you guys want to do a little anything goes, we can do that at two three nine ten seventy. Coming up next, got about five minutes. I'll put on the clock and we'll talk it up with you. Coming up next, and we haven't done it in a while. And again, the setup is this: you call in at two three nine ten seventy. Kyle puts you on hold, and uh, then we bring you on the air. So there's no formal setup like normal. This is just you jumping on here. No, anything goes coming up here after the top of the hour. Are you playing out the in bed here, or you want to do that at the end? Okay, we'll do that on the other side. Do I need to break right here then? All right. Kyle says break. I'll break. We'll do a little anything goes coming up on the other side at 239 1070. This is 93 5 and 107 by the fan.